Conversationalists, fans of the What's Right show, Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840, KXNT. Happy Friday. Good to be with you here. We made it. The end of the week is here. Now, there's like a fair amount of things to go over today. I um, I know it's been a long, a long week, particularly coming on the heels of the release of this tape depicting two teens intentionally hitting a local cyclist, killing him. Uh, We began this week, of course, talking about this story. So there's been some developments, and I want to, before, uh, before we hit all the other stuff swirling around in the world, I want to get to this because this is the part of the story that I actually was one of few people to originally talk about this as an element. Now, what I mean, of course, is, uh, look, these uh, two minors, 17 and 16. By the way, Jesus Ayala, the 17-year-old driver, uh, has turned 18. So he is now actually an adult. So he was a a 17-year-old that was just a a shade under adulthood. Jasmine Keyes, the passenger, who police are claiming may have been the driver in a previous hit-and-run Minutes before the fatal crash that caused the death of Andy Probst, the former police chief of Bell, California, uh, Jasmir Key is 16. Um, I, I think he's still 16. But here's the, here's the part of the story that I'm getting in. And that is that you know now they've been moved into adult court, which was expected. 16 and 17-year-old year uh, minors are automatically in Nevada advanced into the into the adult system if they're charged with murder. So this this was this was automatic cruise control control going to happen. But the parents are speaking out. And that's the uh, that's the interesting bit here. So Ayala's mother, the now 18-year-old driver of the car, was reached by phone and, and she said, I don't know why he did this. I don't know if God can forgive this. Certainly sounded like uh, a bit of contrition as to this. But the mother of Jasmine Keys was contacted by the media, reporters apparently, um, about this. And it was almost unbelievable. They, um, well, well the, 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 mother, the mother says that she can't wait for the real story to come out. Not just what the media is portraying here. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment, because I was one of the first people here to begin talking about this as a, as, as a, as a, as a case of, of I, I mean, I, I want to say just parental malpractice. I was explaining, I think on Monday, uh, just I think the, the Friday or Thursday prior, there was a major study released showing how teaching kids to be respectful, basic courtesy, you know, good manners, is no longer viewed by a majority of parents around the world, particularly though here in the U.S., as being particularly important. And if you don't teach kids, this was my my general theory, if you don't teach kids how to be polite and respectful of adults, but also of, of, of their contemporaries, they're 
general approach to life, their general, well, we'll call it lack of respect toward others, can go from bad to worse. And obviously, the ultimate lack of respect anyone can show another human being is to callously do them gross bodily harm or or cause their death and to be laughing about it. And then, and then to think that that is something that ought to be published on their social media. So I want to talk about this mother of Jasmine Keys. Because I think, you know, if look, the, the, the Ayala mom is saying the right thing. I don't know if God can forgive this. You're, you're right, lady. I don't know if he can. And it seems that you've, you've got some amount of contrition, and, and that's, you know, that is something that, that we can work with. Now, the mother who says, I can't wait for my son's story to come to light and the truth to come out and, 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 and not what just the media is putting out there to her. I say, lady, you are the problem because it seems that your son in your eyes can do no wrong. It seems that every one of his past arrest, every one of his past uh, behavioral problems, you probably explained away much in the same vein. You don't understand his point of view, you probably said. You don't understand my boy. You don't understand his intentions. He's misunderstood, right? He is he is a victim of his own circumstances. And that is why his behavior progressed from bad to worse and is now put him in this position. Now, what you have to understand, I saw some people commenting on this, saying, well, this lady is, well, she's sort of right. I mean, her son wasn't the one driving. How's he lumped into all of this? Again, based on what police are saying, this still has to be proven in a court of law. My understanding is that he intentionally struck another vehicle or possibly even a bicyclist. The facts aren't you know, completely clear. As the driver of a previously stolen vehicle. So this kid who was filming, right, and who was not the one behind the wheel when their car struck and killed Andy Probst was previously behind the wheel and did the same act. It just didn't result in injury or death. I don't know if that's any kind of a misunderstanding on our part or the media parts or or that there's something here that we're missing. But assuming those facts are true, I don't think you can make any excuses for him. And I'm speaking now to the mother of the second, the younger defendant. But the real unforgivable thing from a morality, just gut check perspective is that her disgusting waste of a son was the one filming this and urging the driver to hit his A money, money. Literally, it's in the tape. Misunderstood? Lady, we all saw the video. What what are we, what is there to misunderstand? We saw it. We, We heard it. I played it here on this program this week on Monday. Because I first saw the video late Friday, and I can tell you that 
Um, it was one of the worst things I have seen. And it wasn't, I mean, I have seen other videos, of course, online of, of horrific acts and people losing their lives, but the callousness with which these two boys decided to go and do this and the urging of the boy not driving the car of the other to do this and to hit him and strike Andy Probst at a high rate of speed. You can hear the car accelerating. That's, I mean, there's nothing left to interpretation. It's on video. And so it is only the kind of parent that can see an actual videographic proof of her son's wrongdoing and still finds ways to make excuses for him. That kind of parent is doing their child no favors. That kind of parent, literally, in my view, ought to be punished on some level and share culpability for the acts of their minor child. Parents ought to be held responsible for their absolutely atrocious parenting. Like what this lady did here with her son. Because I'll tell you, nobody, no one is an angel child. And then suddenly, one day the next decides, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go on a grand theft auto spree. I'm going to steal multiple cars. And guess what? We're going to go joyriding around Las Vegas and start hitting people indiscriminately, attempting to kill them. And I said that, and words to that effect, over the weekend and on Monday here on this program. And uh, now as the facts come out, and we realize that both kids had a lengthy juvenile record, numerous brush-ins with the law and the kind, that type of stuff all going on. And, and we also found out that when, when Ayala was arrested, now mind you, he's almost 18, right? You know what his attitude was? He said to the officer, I can't wait for this body cam video to come out, but apparently it says, you think this juvenile expletive is going to do some expletive? I'll be out in 30 days. I'll bet you. It's just, ah, expletive, ah, hit and run, slap on the wrist. Now, the best part is the officers apparently hadn't mentioned that this was a hit and run to Ayala at that point in their conversation with him. So at that point, they had him dead or right. This guy's dumb. That's right, because he's not in school. He's a degenerate. He's got a face tattoo. Thinks he's all bad. Well, he is. He's bad, and he's going to spend the rest of his life in prison. And honestly, this is a death penalty case if I ever saw it. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash, Injury Law, because you deserve What's right? If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Sam Rajofsky, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian here on the What's Right Show. Friends, Um, quick little correction here as I am... Working off multiple notes, news stories, don't have the pleadings yet, so I'm, I'm kind of going at this. I'm going at this with information as it comes available. I, I've got the two mixed up, these um, 
these two douchebags that hit and killed Andy Probst, Jesus or Jesus Ayala was the one who recorded the video. He's the one who's almost 18. I got to correct this. So he's the, apparently he is the, it was, the video was on his phone and it was, it was him that was encouraging uh, the other, uh, other person to, to, uh, to hit the, you know, to, to hit Andy Probst. So Jasmine Keys, 16, was the driver. So Jasmine's mother, who was saying, you just wait till all the facts come out and whatnot. I, I don't know what facts. I mean, we literally see a video of her son hitting and killing a person. So I just, I, I'm just, I'm sorry. It's, you know, this is a developing deal. And keeping all of this straight, I, I apologize. And all of this said, by the way, from I'm I'm giving this first as you know a general sense of culpability in, a, in on moral terms, right? Which of course these two boys, now young men, share right share responsibility for this. But I've also explained something called the felony murder rule, which is if any person dies during the commission of a felony. Uh, the conspirators, anyone who took part in that felony, can be charged with murder, first-degree murder. Now, it's, uh, I'll give you an example here of a, a circumstance. Again, let's say uh, yeah, the best thing is a robbery. Let's say there's a robbery, and uh, one of the two robbers is shot and killed by uh, the victim, the the person that you know is being robbed the person is being robbed lives in Las Vegas has a CCW permit trains on on drawing efficiently so he pulls out his his gun his firearm and kills one of the two assailants that person drops dead right then and there uh, in the parking lot wherever it happens police show up and in fact it's the a co-conspirator, the guy that lived, was part of the robbery, decided to you know, bail on as soon as shots began to be fired. He could be potentially charged with murder. Not, not of course, the person who defended himself against his assailants. And under this theory, I mean, here it's, you know, they caused obviously the death. One person, the person filming, Ayala's encouraging Jasmine Keys. To uh, to accelerate and to hit uh, the uh, the bicyclist, but even if that weren't the case, even if they just you know were were driving erratically because they were in the process of of, of absconding with the stolen car and struck somebody, uh, you know you 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 could start to pursue and consider pursuing uh, criminal charges on the basis of murder. So this is just something to understand. And the mother making excuses, the driver's mother, Jasmine Key's mother, saying, uh, just wait till all the facts come out, wait, 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 is absolutely bananas to me. Now, I just will tell you, there are other part of this that you know needs to be discussed, and I just touched on it right before the break. And, you know, it's something we talk about a lot here on this program observing all the cities across the country that are coming apart because of crime. And one of the problems is, is that criminals do not fear punishment. 
If you're out in California, you can steal pretty much a thousand bucks worth of stuff and get a, a ticket. It's a misdemeanor. You're not even going to jail. You can now, with the new bail reform laws in California and, Chicago and Illinois and other states, you can steal cars and be arrested and released at the scene, not even booked into jail, let alone do any jail time. And with that, our expectation as a society has to be, has to be, that criminals will become emboldened, and they are. And the story here that needs to be told and certainly will you know, want to talk to the DA at some point about this is looking at the history that these kids had when they were younger. And I, I really want to know to what extent were they brought into the juvenile system and let right out because these comments that were caught on body camera – when Ayala, the guy who was recording the video, who was in the passenger seat, he gets arrested, and uh, and he basically says, "This is just some juvenile stuff. It's going to go away. I'll be out in thirty days. I bet you. You know, it's a hit and run slap on the wrist." That was his attitude. He thought he was bulletproof, seventeen at the time of the incident. And it is true that minors are treated differently in the system by design, of course. But what I don't think a lot of minors, kids understand is that things can very quickly, I mean, it's as low as 13 if you are charged with murder. You can be, you can be tried as an adult. You're automatically tried as an adult when you're 16 and 17. I don't think people understand here, young people understand that there's potentially real accountability for serious offenses. But more importantly, kind of in a, in a broader sense, if some of the lower-level you know, thefts and assaults and things that Ayala had been arrested for previously, if somebody along the way had thrown the book at him and just sat him in juvenile hall until he turned 18 – Maybe Andy Probst would be alive today. Maybe Ayala would have at least sat in jail until he was 18 and then had it in his thick head that as an 18-year-old, he would be held accountable for his crimes at a higher level. I'm just going by what I'm seeing here, him having allegedly said to the officer who was arresting him. It's on the body cam, so we'll, I'm sure next week we'll have this released and we'll have the tape. Uh, but I'm I'm just I'm it's a it's a valid point if if this were my father, if this were my family member, my loved one, you know I would be looking at this and I would be thinking I can't believe I, this was such a senseless waste, loss of a human life, and it was preventable because this little gangster thought he could get away with it, and we let him and that's the part of this that we need to really think about and all these cities making all these states out there making it easier and easier on criminals it's not going to end well all right we got to take a quick break here sam rajofsky news talk 840 kxnt you're listening to the what's right show we'll be back in a moment folks
Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. Greetings and welcome to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. I am Nevada's favorite recovering Californian, and this show brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, the only law firm to trust. Listen up, guys. These are the only people to call, 702-820-1234. Don't go with anybody else. Don't let your friends or family members go with anybody else. Call Sam and Ash. 702-820-1234. In a crash, call Sam and Ash because you deserve what's right. Now, speaking of what's right, $110 an hour for a job. Would you take it? Well, I've got it. I've got a job posting here that I thought you all might be somewhat interested in. It's, I think, uh, let's see here, two or three days old. Uh, but somebody sent this to me. I think I, Scott Robin, I got to give Scott Robin credit. I think he's the one who found this. Vital Vegas, uh, the blogger and uh, all around uh, cheerleader for Las Vegas, love Scott Robin. He found this job posting. And let me just, those of you who think that this hack of the casinos, MGM in particular, on the strip has ended and is over. Let me read this to you. All right, by the way, so it's $110 an hour, and it says under it, it says shift when, and schedule requirements, and it says a 10-hour shift seven days a week. You heard that right, seven days a week. Wait for it. It's, it's, it, gets, it gets better. So a company that is um, – uh, looks like it's a tech company that my contract with MGM says. It, uh, Argentile seeks – an on-site Red Hat Linux system admin in Las Vegas, Nevada, for immediate work starting on 921, so yesterday. This role will be helping the, and here we go, here it is, the MGM Grand Casino to build its new net IT environment after the recent ransomware hack. In bold, candidates must be willing to work every day until the new IT environment is fully stood up. We are open to people who will only work a grand total of seven days. And as if that wasn't, as if that wasn't uh, clear enough, there's an exclamation point at the end. Higher pay for those willing to stick it out until the job is done. Another exclamation, uh, exclamation point. All right. So, and then it says, by the way, visa status. Wait, they're, they're going to get sued by the feds here, just like Elon Musk is with SpaceX. Visa status must be U.S. citizen. Paren, no green cards or H-1B visa candidates will be accepted. Close, paren. Um, yeah, well, no, I mean, there's, they've got a security risk, so they're, they, can put that, they can put that in there. Um, uh, so anyway, I'm, I'm telling you, this is – the, the problem is they have to rebuild their entire system from the ground up. And that's why it's going to be seven days a week for months. This, uh, when everything is all said and done, is going to be a billion-dollar loss. I predict that. I mean, it's just – it's a, it's a disaster. 
I saw somewhere that they lost like eight million dollars, and I thought, mm, I don't think that that's, I don't think that maybe not a billion, okay, maybe, but but a hundred million. Mm, it's a mess. It's a mess, and I really hope, I really hope that these hackers didn't get any money, and I hope that the data that they stole, for example, the social security numbers uh, from. As it has been reported from the Caesars uh, Casino infrastructure, I, I hope that that information does not harm people because this is, yeah, this is a total, complete disaster. Now, I know this earlier this hour. I, um, I know I've been um, talking a little bit about this this case here, this local case where we had, um, you know, this 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 bike crash intentional striking of a cyclist here in town. It was a reti- retired police chief from Bell, California. And it, it reminded me this, you know, the, the guy who was filming it, who was not the driver, but, but together there and urging the driver to hit his, you know, ASS, right? This, um, this guy was remorseless. He's completely remorseless because he had been, shuffled in and out of the juvenile system and, and literally told his arresting officer, I'm going to be out in 30 days. So there was this great uh, exchange Sunday, this past Sunday, at the Hoover Institute. Peter Robinson interviewed uh, Thomas Sowell, who is one of the great living intellectuals uh, of America, but, but maybe of all Americans that have ever lived one of the most brilliant men, and you know, and one thing that they got into was social justice, because the concept of social justice is right that we go easier on criminals because it hasn't been fair. There, there's been a lack of equity in their backgrounds, right? They don't. This guy, this Ayala kid, who is now eighteen, by the way. This degenerate that took a life, he hasn't had it easy. Sam, you should, you should check your white privilege. You know, you've had a lot better of a life. And by the way, there's no question that I have had a better life than this kid. And I'm one of the first people talking about this kid's background and whatnot. But in no world that I want to live in do we let people do horrible things just because they've had it rough. And more importantly, and more importantly, we need to recognize that plenty of people have had it even worse and have come out ahead. So here's this exchange. Uh, this is, again, Peter Robinson talking to Thomas Sowell on Sunday. Thomas Sowell's 93 years old, by the way, uh, and absolutely cogent. So he makes you know Joe Biden uh, sound like a vegetable. Have a listen. Dr. King's message was equal opportunity for individuals, regardless of race. In the years that followed, the goal changed to equal outcomes for groups. What now rose to dominance was the social justice agenda. If the social justice, those backing the social justice agenda could have everything they wanted, what would the country look like? Uh, We'd be killing each other. Bingo. 
So Soul elaborates on this uh, in a way that only he can. They, they, they want everybody to have, have, have equal, equal outcomes or as close as they can get to it. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you, you don't have the preconditions for that. Even in the same family, I, one of the examples I, I use in the book is uh, among five child families, right. uh, the national merit finalist is the firstborn just over half the time. That is, more often than the other four siblings combined. Right. The, the fifth born is 6% of the time. And so there was even where, where you have almost ideal conditions. They're born to the same parents, raised under the same roof, and they are not the same. That sameness, right, is something the left obsesses over, creating equity. And by the way, Again, they do this because it is a source for them of political power, which is why truth, right, is subordinated always to votes. They get into this with Soul, and he answers it this way. In politics, the goal is not truth, but votes. Absolutely. If you can get people to believe that their problems are all due to racists. Uh, you will get their votes. But if you look at the, the, a lot of data on different things, it's very doubtful if all the racists in the country today have half the negative effect on blacks as the teachers' unions have. Because the teachers' unions keep the schools lousy uh, in areas where, uh, the, where, where the people who send their kids to school do not have the option to send them to a private school if the schools are bad. So this is another interesting point, right? How much of, when we really do take a look at these two young adults, Mr. Ayala now is 18, they're sitting in jail, they're both charged with murder, their lives are over. I wonder to what extent their lives could have been better, not just with better parents, Parents that held them accountable. But what in the event of parents failing, where was the school? Where was the school system? And that's part of the story here that no one here in town is talking about. Because no one here in Vegas wants to recognize that our schools aren't just failing our kids academically. They are categorically, absolutely failing to turn young people into decent respectful human beings. And I'm actually of the opinion that that is something our schools ought to be doing first and foremost, because if the kids don't have respect for the teacher and don't have respect for the school and respect for school property and respect for their fellow students, there's no way they can keep their rear end in a seat for six hours and learn anything. Let me explain this more when I come back. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve what's right. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Oh, you want an example of social justice in schools? Well, let me tell you this funny story out of Salt Lake City, Utah. Sam Rajovsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian truth teller, lawyer, and all-around great guy. 
here on News Talk 840 KXNT. So Salt Lake City high schools are going to uh, start putting in uh, for a year testing metal detectors. So East West, I think high schools. There's one other one uh, that we're we're going to get high schools. Uh, we're gonna get metal detectors. Those of you who are familiar with uh, Salt Lake East High, you know East High is a fancy uh, school, fancy part of town, rich part. West High, which is a historic, beautiful old building, um, is uh, is sort of more in the less trendy part of town, although that area is also somewhat gentrifying. But regardless, here is a piece in KSL.com. Quote, and this is the headline, Will weapon detectors at Salt Lake City high schools disproportionately affect students of color? Close quote. I saw this. I almost fell out of my chair. Uh, if it does, it simply means that more black kids and Hispanic kids are bringing guns to school, and I don't see how that's relevant. If I've got a kid in my school, I don't care if my kid is whatever color he or she is. I don't want to see them shot. So the idea of screening for weapons sort of seems pretty colorblind to me, no? But this is where, this is where politicians and all of these left-wing lunatics are able to take a completely common-sense approach to school safety, turn it on its head, and rebrand it as some sort of a racist agenda. Again, they don't want to take any responsibility for bad parenting. They don't want to take any responsibility for their failure to maintain order in schools. So instead, instead, they call racism. They cry out bigotry and the like. It's disgusting. Now let's bring this closer to home and contextualize some of this here in our own backyard. And by the way, for those of you not listening in Las Vegas, this applies to you too, so listen up. I will say this. Our schools continue here, the the Clark County School District, in the worst kept secret ever, continues to drop standards in order to keep up its graduation rates. But that's not the worst part of it. I have it on authority from a number of teachers who listen to this program who have sent me things. And by the way, if you are a teacher and you dispute any portion of what I said, I will correct myself Monday morning, Monday 1 o'clock when I'm here. I will make sure I set the record straight. But I, I've heard from many, many, many of you. And my email, of course, it's sam at samandashlaw.com. Sam at samandashlaw.com. Look, how hard is it? Here's the question I'll ask teachers. How hard is it for you to remove a disruptive student? Because the state legislature here, in, run by Democrats, has, has historically made it almost impossible to expel a bad kid. And it's precisely because they looked at the statistics and said, look, the statistics show that expulsions are happening predominantly to children of color and that we, that's racist. It's racist. Uh, what about the children of color who are there in the classroom to learn? You ever think about how disruptive kids affect them? So the soft bigotry of low expectations, it doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help the disruptive kids. 
whose bad behavior is uh, reinforced, is declared okay, and definitely not the kids who are there trying to be good, going to school and learn. But it's not racism that is causing kids to be expelled. It's the fact that expulsions are happening to kids who are, are out of control. So the problem here, what we did in Nevada, is we just said, listen, we're just categorically going to make it almost impossible for teachers and administrators to get rid of unruly students. So, so what, what did that do? Well, one, students know they're untouchable. So if you're a teacher here in town and you've got that one kid who has behavior problems in the back of your class, you can't do anything about it. And they know that you can't do anything about it. And so what do, what, what do they have? An attitude of untouchability. To be honest, I, I don't even know how you guys do your jobs. It's got to be awful. And it's one thing when you're in a school up in Summerlin, for the most part, the kids all have parents you know, who are breathing down their throats because they're higher income educated people and they expect their kids to perform. But it's an entirely other matter in schools where you've got kids whose parents are absent. And if those kids don't have their parents pushing on them, there's not much you can do. And this brings me to the point. So if the parents are failing their kids and the schools are failing their their kids, then what? Ultimately, the kid will spiral and it will result in death and destruction. And only then does the system finally, thankfully, here in Nevada, catch up to them and go, no, you just killed somebody, so guess what? You're gonna, you're, you're done. You're, you're done. You're out of, you're out of civil society forever. We're throwing away the key. And this is probably the closest I can come, and I don't want this taken out of context. So I'm just giving this a huge asterisk. This is the maybe slightly the closest I can come for any amount of compassion. For these two perpetrators, which is to say that under the guise of liberal tolerance, under the, in the tinsel, in the packaging, in the sparkly accoutrement that is social justice, these kids were denied an opportunity to have a reality check far earlier in their lives, leading to them perhaps finding an off-ramp from the path that they were on. But I certainly grieve for this family. I certainly think that this death, as so many out there uh, that that are perpetrated at the hands of out of control criminals were preventable if only the system held these criminals accountable earlier on for lower level offenses if Clark County schools if, if our politicians here in Nevada were actually serious about improving grades the first thing that they would I would implement here is is absolute discipline in schools one comment to the teacher and you're 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 out you're done and you're sitting in a in a you're sitting in a in a room with white walls all day you're standing in a room you're you're running get, do physical exercise make them do push-ups in the yard whatever something 
wipe that smirk off your face, sit down, get your pencil out, get your, get your book out, and study. That kid is far less likely to go around stealing cars and, and hitting innocent people on bicycles. If you don't think those two are connected, I, I, I'm sorry, but they are very much so. All right. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I, please, teachers, I want to hear from you. Sam at SamAndAshLaw.com. I'll, I'll revisit this next week uh, when I get some responses. But I have, I have seen the paperwork. I've seen the great I've, – I've, I've had many of you turn over stuff uh, that is from your own classrooms. You've, you've blacked out the names. You've done the right thing. But I, I see what is done, that serial disruptors are allowed back in the classroom over and over and over again. All right, when we come back, what the hell happened with DeSantis's campaign? This is a question a lot of you were asking me. Let me answer that for you when we come back. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Hi, it's Ash from Sam and Ash Injury Law. You need a lawyer you can trust. So give us a call at 702-820-1234 or go to SamAndAshLaw.com. No pressure, just answers, because you deserve what's right. Greetings, friends. Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve what's right. Right. We are here Friday afternoon. The week is almost, almost rolling to a close. And I'm, you know, I I just, I need to talk about this here before we hit the weekend because it is astounding to me the state of DeSantis's campaign. I know this is an NBC News piece published yesterday. I'm I'm just going to saw the headline and I, I, I put it in my stack because I'm, I thought, you know, I, I, I think, look, I think it's, he's, this isn't wrong. Now, the subject of the piece is basically saying the polls are showing that DeSantis is losing ground with moderate Republicans. Uh, this is based on a reading of the NBC News political unit. They're polling that they've done. And there's new polls, by the way, that come out every day. I don't have to read this piece to tell you that it's obvious DeSantis is losing support among Republicans. Now, what is is also true, right? It's a fractured race. You've got Trump at the top who has, you know, a commanding, we'll call it a 40 to 50 point lead in some cases. You know, I was just looking at polling's last uh, polls, recent polls last night, and it's, you know, I mean, it's it's a commanding lead. But um what I'm what I'm getting at is, you know, it's you know, DeSantis certainly has fallen. Trump continues to dominate, and a variety of actors, you know, move up and down depending on the week. Ramaswamy's up certainly from being at one percent. If you look at real clear uh, poll averages, you know, Trump is at fifty-seven, almost fifty-eight percent. DeSantis at twelve point seven. And Ramaswamy at 8.1 overall. So overall, from the national polling, right, Ramaswamy's third. DeSantis is not much further ahead, Nikki Haley in fourth. Now it's, you know, Iowa, New Hampshire, the polling is a little bit different. For example, Christie overall is number two in New Hampshire. But Christie, Chris Christie is number two in New Hampshire. And DeSantis is beneath him. 
Now, less than 1% away, but, but my gosh. The average polling has Christie ahead. So it begs the question, how is it possible that somebody as nationally prominent and as, uh, I would say, certainly undeniably conservative as Ron DeSantis and successful politically, right, a resounding electoral victory in 2020 when Republicans overall did not fare particularly well, how has that not been able to transform itself and, and parlay itself into a into a, a juggernaut of a of a, of a campaign. Now I'll answer this question there's first off I have to say there's not one right answer to this. And it's never like that, right? There's never one particular reason for any effort of this magnitude failing. One of the most challenging things, I will say, at the top of my list, whenever I have described this uh, to, to people, and I've begun saying this now for months, that while I really, really like Ron DeSantis, I worry that he accepted so much, so many large donations from big e-ticket donors multi-millionaire, billionaire, donor Republican class, right? That he became beholden to them. He owed them an ear. Because if you give somebody a million dollars, if you give somebody two million dollars or three million or ten million dollars in the world of politics, when you call them on their cell phone, they pick up. That's how that works. And I'll tell you, I guarantee you that the Republican donor class has no clue on where the heartbeat, the pulse of the nation is, number one. They certainly are not in tune with the direction of the Republican Party. They are stuck in, I think, 1988 in their thinking. They're also preservationists, right? Generally, people with enormous uh, accumulated wealth are, you know, they're fans of the status quo. They don't like people pushing and doing things that cause ripples. And by the way, I would tell you the mood of the Republican Party right now, the grassroots of the Republican Party, which is, folks, is the primary. Those are people who absolutely want ripples. We don't want ripples, hell's bells. We want waves. We want to burn it to the ground. And careful how we say that or express that because we don't actually mean violence. But what we're referring to here is we are certainly talking about uh, reordering this place we call Washington. Streamlining it. Reimagining it, bringing it back to its essence, right? And th- this is, th- th- I tell you, that the people that are writing $5 million checks have no interest in any of that. So when I see DeSantis on there, he, you know, he, he, when, when he was a, when he was running for governor, my gosh, it was this like, like energy. He was, he was a firebrand. He was, he was, he was all in and he was excited and he was, he was passionate and he was a real, 
And it inspired people to go out and vote. And they did. And this DeSantis that has emerged from all of these donor meetings that occurred, uh, started occurring about a year ago, is, is, looks to me to be overly managed. It's somebody who's got people constantly in his ear telling him, do this, do that, go up, go down, more of this, less of that. You remember a couple months ago when one of his super PACs basically published a do's and don'ts for him in the lead up to the first debate. Remember this? It will make a, you know, it was, uh, by the way, infuriated uh, people close to DeSantis and no doubt DeSantis himself. Uh, but this is an example, right, where where literally the the people that are putting money into that super PAC to support their chosen candidate, DeSantis, uh, were telling the candidate what to do and had no qualms about doing it publicly because they don't care. That's not a method. That's not a means by which you win an election. Now, there's more to it. The second problem is, for the most part, a group of these insiders that were giving large sums of money and supporting DeSantis uh, were the never-Trumpers. You have to understand that's part of Trump's strong disdain for DeSantis is that he's allied himself with people that have been, historically, have been never-Trumpers. Um, and that's, that's, that's that. I mean, it's, those people, those people lose every election they touch. They're, they're electoral poison. You might as well French kiss a cobra, you know, and, 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 and and not a, not a good idea. So the never Trumpers, they're poison. They're a drag. And then I will tell you folks, as with all things, it's not always, uh, it's not always who you run as a candidate. It's when you run as a candidate. And the when, folks, the when is huge, is huge. His timing might have been off here. He should have probably waited. Trump had one term. He could have been the heir apparent in four years. Look, Trump either, what, there's, a, there's a really a binary outcome for Trump. Trump either wins or he doesn't. I don't see Trump running again if he loses now. It's just, you know, at that point, it's, I mean, age is going to get the best of him. So it's, it's you know, it, it, DeSantis could have just waited four years. He could have served out the balance of his, of his term as governor and rode right into, successfully, right, concluded his term as governor and rode right into the presidency. It was too soon. Now, no doubt there are other factors, you know, things that are, that are out there, but I'm telling you primarily those three things are huge. Now, where, where DeSantis is really making a huge mistake, in my view, and I keep talking about this, and I know some of us disagree about this, is on the subject of abortion. And again, he is beholden to the hardcore Republican, you know, the, the, the evangelical people, the, the donors, they, they love this stuff, some of them, okay? But he thinks that his way, his way to get around Trump is to be the pro-life candidate. And I think there's some empirical proof to suggest that this is an absolute a cockamamie plan. And, and to the extent that this is his, 
belief and this, he's being honest with his beliefs, fine. I mean, that's good. Uh, but I think, you know, I, I'll give you examples. I got to take a quick break, but I'll give you an example. I think it's really a strategic pivot where he tries to make this the edge against Trump. And even in Republican circles, it's not going to win the day. And in the general, forget about it. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Back in a moment, folks. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. I think everybody right now agrees that Merrick Garland totally destroyed his credibility. I mean... His disastrous appearance this week in the House Oversight Committee uh, was – I mean you – even the – you know the people that read the body language of people testifying or telling – retelling a story. I mean they are – they are telling all about how nervous he looked and how how disingenuous he was. It was a total, total, total victory for the Republicans in the House. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840, KXNT, you're listening to the What's Right Show. All right, DeSantis. By the way, DeSantis, when I describe his pivot on the subject of abortion in the sense that he is pushing this as his differentiator between Trump, here's an example of it, how he's using it on the campaign trail. He claimed uh, to be pro-life. He spoke at the, the March for Life and was waxing eloquently about how everybody counts um, for him to then attack People like Iowa, South Carolina, Florida, all these other states, uh, I thought was a big mistake. He's uh, taking positions that uh, I think are different from what he took in 2015 when he first came onto the scene. And and I do think he's a different candidate today uh, than he was back then. Uh, And I think the one back then was probably closer to where Republican voters want to be than the latest iteration. You said he claimed to be pro-life. Do you think he is pro-life? You tell me. I think that if you have something where... Uh, you have a, a, a baby that has a detectable heartbeat. If you're pro-life, you would want to say that there should be protections there. And uh, if he's saying that that's a terrible thing, I know most pro-life voters would, would think that he's wrong. So this is, uh, of course, an interesting thing because the world is a completely different place today on the subject of abortion than it was in 2016. And that's because... The Roe decision was overturned, right? And now the matter is left to the states. Now, the folks, the, the best position for any Republican candidate is to reiterate the holding. This is a matter to be left to the states. And, you know, the best thing that a Republican can say, too, about this on the campaign trail is that in states where Republican politicians worked to put in, vote in, very stringent restrictions on or bans on abortion, for example, states like Kentucky, Kansas, and Montana, which are uh, – I don't want to tell you, but those are fairly conservative Republican states – uh, voters in those states, I mean, abortion was on the ballot in those states. And it didn't go well. I don't want to spoil anything here, but it didn't go well. Even Republicans voted against it. That's the reality. 
And so the the position I I would I would take as a presidential candidate, right? This, this is a difference between being a a state lawmaker or a state executive. Like if I was somebody's running for governor or running for a lieutenant governor, or you know, if you're in a state, you say, "Here's what I think," because it matters what you think, because the states are the ones that decide. But but getting you know the six week you know I've told you this I mean the six week ban in Florida is is extreme and it doesn't it doesn't represent the mood of the country. You're never if you had held a national referendum you wouldn't get that passed. I'm just telling you. But it's fine. It's in Florida. That's what the Florida legislature passed, and it may cost them politically in Florida or it may not. But it's being decided according to the strictures of the Constitution as decided by the Supreme Court. It's going down as it should. But DeSantis is even missing this as an opportunity to explain federalism. This answer is objectively terrible. And Trump, when Trump hedges his bets and says, by the way, this is how people are describing it. They're saying it's hedging. He's shrugging his shoulders and was like, oh, I, you know, I just look. I mean, it's different now. It's the states are deciding. Everybody's like, oh, where was, where's your pro-life position? He's the only one here of the bunch that understands where the mood of the country is. So for everybody that says that Trump is unelectable and that he's a fool, um, is once again, gosh dang it, it's unbelievable. Once again, you're underestimating the guy. He has already moved on to the general election, and these you know Republican little ankle biters are all running around arguing about you know the crumbs left behind. That's what's cooking right now in the kitchen. So it just it just blows my mind, folks. It blows my mind because DeSantis, I am convinced DeSantis could be a remarkable president. He would be a remarkable chief executive. There is no question about it. And I think when all of this crashes and burns, because I don't see a way out of this now, I'm just telling you, it, it, it's, it's, you know, he's going to get some of the vote, but very quickly early on, if, if the, it, let, let's say this, if the, if the primaries were held next month, you know, you just, you need to come in third three or four times to be out of the race. Um, and, you know, and I don't even think he would hang on till, till Super Tuesday. I, I, I mean, it, it's that bad. So the post-mortem on it will have to examine how in the H-E double hockey sticks a guy like DeSantis, who is a great campaigner and who is a passionate guy, got so overmanaged. And then, you know, he, he started out, by the way, too, with great people on his staff, and they hired some weirdos. It used to be that he had a very good attack team online, and they were very, you know, they were... They were proactive, but they also did the right thing by reacting without making it coming from him. So it, you know, it, it got over the kind of the Trump stigma of Trump, you know, picking all these little fights with petty little people that he didn't need to pick fights with. But you know, some of those people have started attacking our founding fathers, and I mean, just they're getting they're going down these weird, weird rabbit holes. And against all of this, tell me, please tell me this. I'll, I'll ask producer Rob. You got to make him work for something around here. 
Producer Robbie, what is the what is the last weird thing that you really remember that stands out in your mind Trump doing? What's the last weird thing Trump did? Because I I mean well look in in 20 2020 uh, there was a weird new thing every day that he said or did or put on Twitter or whatnot. It's it's just it's not there's not much weird stuff out there. And so to my point, Trump is turning into a, a kind of a, a more mellow elder statesman who's coming across as presidential and 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 everybody else is looking like they're they're sort of running a sideshow. And that's that's the fact of it. Uh, by the way, speaking of sideshows, what the hell is going up in Canada? You hear about this? Canadians are in a tiff with India now. Now Canadians are banned from visiting India. Uh, Trudeau is a complete idiot. But, but him and Kamala Harris should team up. They they should become. They should like run the UN together. That would be perfect. Sam Rajovsky here, <laughs> News Talk eight forty KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. Be back after this. Hi, it's Ash from Sam and Ash Injury Law. You need a lawyer you can trust. So give us a call at 702-820-1234 or go to SamAndAshLaw.com. No pressure, just answers, because you deserve what's right. Welcome, friends. You're listening to the What's Right Show, your place for common sense conservatism, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., Ah, you remember quite recently, quite recently, Justin Trudeau flew to a meeting in India. And uh, his plane got stuck on the tarmac. Do, do you remember this? If, yeah, if the plane got stuck there and, and had a mechanical. That's what the official uh, description of what it's like when you have... Um, a mechanical problem. Is that mechanical? Here's the Canadian Defense Minister, Bill Blair, refusing to deny sabotage of Trudeau's plane. This is uh, yesterday, uh, speaking to the Canadian press. Sabotage has been ruled out in the technical issue in Canada's plane on his trip to India. Uh, there are that that I'm not going to comment on that. There are uh, there are obviously ongoing concerns. I am also focused on replacing those planes because we, we we've already made that step. We've, we've but you're not commenting on if there's any potential sabotage no, that put left the left the plane on that runway. I don't want to. I've got to run Sorry, off to something, but I, I want to. Ten hours later, speaking outside of the House of Commons, there the Parliament Building in Ottawa. Blair, the Canadian defense minister, uh, said it was a technical error and not sabotage. Maybe a little maple syrup uh, got into the engines. I don't know. Folks, this, this just is getting weirder by the minute, but that's not where the real the real uh, problem all got, got going. So India suspended visas, apparently, for Canadian nationals. And this is over um, a accusation by Trudeau that claims that the Indian government is behind uh, the assassination of a Sikh separatist activist on Canadian soil. So, uh, well, this is, listen, this is just interesting because to us, I'll tell you why this matters. If 
I know we all think and know, we know, that Joe Biden is a terrible president. I tell you day in and day out that Kamala Harris would be immeasurably worse. And when I watch Justin Trudeau up there in Canada, you know, he's, I mean, he looks like, this, looks like maybe he's the illegitimate son of Fidel Castro. I mean, that's an accusation that is thrown out there. There is a resemblance, okay? And the mom, there's some video of her visiting Cuba and gushing about her great time with Fidel. So, I mean, you know, Fidel was no doubt a hospitable host, and and maybe she left with a souvenir. But nonetheless, (laughs) Trudeau is just like Kamala Harris. He's a low IQ individual. Frankly, he's a moron. And morons, when in charge of governments... When they are this light and this superficial and this ill-equipped for the highest office, ultimately end up doing tremendous amount of harm. So I look at the story, folks, and I mean it's funny, right? It's you know, haha, you know, it's like, yeah, how can you screw this up uh, any more than you already have, Justin? Well. I look at it as an example of how this country would look if Kamala Harris became president. I mean, they would have to give me, I'll give you an idea. It would be so bad if Kamala Harris became president. They'd have to give me a six-hour show here just for me to cover the entirety of everything that she does. I, I wouldn't even be able to cover all of it. So don't make, I, please, I just need, we just need Biden to make it to January of 2025, 20, uh, yeah, for the inauguration for, for President Trump or whoever to come in and clean this mess up. But Kamala Harris, folks, do not do not wish for that. Now, the real disaster here in this country, of course, is the border. And there's a leaked tape yesterday that started to hit the Internet. Uh, and this is Border Patrol agents listening to their chief. And, and they start arguing with him because the chief tells them to go out and do their jobs and do it with pride and dignity and all that. Like, what, are, what are you talking about? We're, we're letting in undocumented people. We're letting in illegal immigrants, and we're not even allowed to say illegal immigrants. And they start arguing with them. Listen to the tape. Why are you guys getting caught up in semantics? There's a mission out there to be. There's a mission out there to be. We can sit here and argue about it till we're blue in the face. Right? I've been doing this job as long as y'all. That's the problem. What's that? That's the problem, Chief. For evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. That's I can't hear you. For evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. That's exactly what's happening here. Good men are doing nothing. You're allowing the legal aliens to drop off communities. You are doing something. No, sir, we're not. You are. No, you're sir. rescuing people every day. You're taking fentanyl off the streets every day. You're taking men that fentanyl yes, off the streets every year, day. We've got the highest fentanyl death in the history of our country in one year in this country. You know, we've made more fentanyl seizures. Already this year than we made last year. How many have we not catched because we're focusing on this family? And that's the problem. And we're The chief can't defend it. His officers are telling him, these are, these are rank-and-file Border Patrol agents. It looks like there's about 30, 40 of them in a room. He's giving him a pep talk, and the room turns on him. They say, we can't uphold the Constitution. We've all – he basically says, we've all put our – this is the part that's on in the clip. We've all put our hands up and swore, you know, to uphold the Constitution. And, and he goes, well, we're not doing that. 
And she goes, what do you mean you're not doing that? I go, we're not. We're releasing illegals and we're not, we're not, we're not securing the border. We're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. We're not defending the United States of America. And he says, don't get involved in politics. And, and, and the, you heard the officer there, one brave officer who then the chief says, I need you to speak up. He goes, you know, evil triumphs when, when good men do nothing. What a brave law enforcement officer, that guy. That is the despicability of this regime that is in power currently. I, and, and by the way, this is why I cannot stand this affirmative action crackhead, Corrine Jean-Pierre, when she spars yesterday over this with Peter Ducey. Um, and Ducey just you know, sort of asks, what do you call it when 10,000 people cross the border illegally? Listen to this exchange. Uh, what do you call it here at the White House when 10,000 people illegally cross the border in a single day? So what do you call it, Peter, when GOP puts forth a... a, a wait, no. No, 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 no. No, you can't. Green? I'm answering... Okay, we're going to move You're on. You're answering no, 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 okay. no, 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 no. We're moving on. Great, moving. In the back. No, no, you said you were stopping the, the flow back. of the border. No, no. I tried to elections. answer... Peter, uh, okay. I tried to answer the question. You stopped me. Let's go. She... Any excuse... To not answer a question by this government, she'll take. It's absolutely ridiculous because they don't want to address any of this. And if you think that this is just ineptitude and inaction, think again. It is all part of the chaos plan that these uh, that the Democratic Party establishment wants. They want these people sweeping in, but they just never imagined that it would come and destroy – New York City, they thought they could destroy Texas. They thought they could destroy California. They thought they can destroy New Mexico, Arizona. They thought they could go after Florida. But now, thanks to Republican governors getting out there saying, oh, we're going to bust you up north and uh, let the New Yorkers deal with you. Now they're, now they're screaming about it. I tell you, it's, it's, um, it's, it's astounding. So I'm, um, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I, I've, I'm I, beyond myself. By the way, speaking of Texas, uh, Governor Abbott yesterday, the day before, announced a state of emergency and is activating the National Guard. Damn straight. Go down there and secure the border. Someone's got to do it. And the better that they do it in Texas, let us show the rest of the country that it can be done. We need a proof of concept here that this is achievable and doable. All right, folks, take a quick break here. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. I say this, by the way, I say all of this. As the son of immigrants, you know, I have, uh, my parents sacrificed a tremendous amount to come to this country and do it the right way. It is not easy. And every time Every Democrat makes excuses for this and allows this to happen. And even Republican, past Republican administrations that allow this to happen. Rhino Republicans are just as culpable in all of this. You're spitting in the face of every American that did it right. Shame on you. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. 
Welcome back. What's Right Show on with Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. My email, sam at samandashlaw.com. Rounding out the show here uh, just before 3 o'clock. Weekend is almost here. Getting some pushback. People here are telling me that Kamala Harris is far dumber than Justin Trudeau. Okay. You're right. By the way, here's his – this is the diplomatic spat going down in uh, Canada – uh, between Canada and India. Um, well, here's here's his statement. Listen to this weenie. I just, I'm trying to make you understand that they sound very much alike in their complete lack of substance and effeminate, I mean, just a, a frustratingly weak presentation. Justin Trudeau, this is Monday on a statement on the Indian government's alleged involvement in a murder on Canadian soil. Listen to this. Over the past number of weeks, Canadian security agencies have been actively pursuing credible allegations of a potential link between agents of the government of India and the killing of a Canadian citizen, Hardeep Singh Nijar. Canada is a rule of law country. The protection of our citizens and defense of our sovereignty are fundamental. Our top priorities have therefore been, one, that our law enforcement and security agencies ensure the continued safety of all Canadians, and two, that all steps be taken to hold perpetrators of this murder to account. Oh, Ooh, so strong, so powerful. By the way, this is our government's response. Since the Biden people are like, mm. as soon as we heard from the Canadian Prime Minister publicly about the allegations, we went out publicly ourselves and expressed our deep concern about them, our support for a law enforcement process to get to the bottom of exactly what happened, and to ensure that the perpetrators are held accountable. I'm not going to get into the substance of private diplomatic conversations, but we are in constant contact with our Canadian counterparts. We are consulting with them closely. We support the efforts that they are undertaking in this investigation, and we have also been in touch with the Indian government as well. And I will leave it at that for today, only to say that I have seen in the press some efforts to try to drive a wedge between the United States and Canada on this issue, and I firmly reject the idea that there is a wedge. Uh, Listen, by the way, the Indian government ought to be a strong ally of the West, and we ought to be doing everything to ensure close cooperation with them by virtue of their location a strategic location, uh, and moreover, I'm just can't. I'm struck by this thing, so I need to say it before I forget it. Man, a, a Trump Ramaswamy ticket <laughs> could really could really make some difference here. You know, we could say send Vivek over to uh, New Delhi to to make peace with Justin Trudeau. Uh, not that we need to do that. No, this, there's, a, there's an opportunity here for this country. But, of course, the Biden people are so dumb that they don't get how to take advantage of something. This is, this is dropping in our laps. We could come in. A guy like Trump okay, – forget my Ramaswamy joke. But I'm telling you, a guy like Trump would sit, these, sit this down and go, what is this? Forget those Canadians. Deal with us. Let's trade more. Let's, you know, and, and there would be a joint press conference held within a week with the Indian prime minister at the White House shaking hands with Trump. And, tr- and <laughs> that's, what would, that's what Trump would do, okay? And this is what is so frustrating to me about – this is what's so frustrating to me, folks, about um, 
how this administration gets away with being so inept. For years, we listened to how you know Trump was a disaster on the world stage, and I, I I'm sorry, I'm I'm sensitive to this. I you know I spend quite a bit of time in Europe, and I have property in Europe and family in Europe, and and uh, you know when I travel around, and I would ask, what do you guys think of Trump? Yeah, we we like him. Yeah, he's he's good. He's you know he's he's right on about the things that matter here. You know, da, 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 da. not everybody, but a lot of people. I go back now, and people are like, oh, my gosh, what's going on over there? Meaning Biden. But if you were to listen to the media, I mean, Trump was just a bull in a china shop when it came to being uh, anywhere outside of, you know, the four corners of his living room. But, uh, but you know, and Biden is just this incredible world diplomat leading us, sleepwalking us into World War III. It's just so frustrating, folks. I, I don't know what to um, – um, yeah, yeah. So there it is. Um, I well, all right. Newsom, by the way, do you know this? Newsom's out and about. He he claims Kamala absolutely should be on the ticket. You know that? So he's echoing the words of his distant relative Nancy Pelosi, and he actually gets um, asked this by Dana Bash on Monday. I, I, I got to circle back to this. It's too good not to not to talk about. It. I'm sure you saw that uh, former speaker, Speaker Emerita, Nancy yeah. Pelosi, she heaped praise on Kamala Harris, but she declined to say whether or not she thought that the vice president is the best person to be on the ticket with Joe Biden in 2024. Do you? Of course she is. The Biden-Harris administration masterclass in terms of performance, bipartisan deals on infrastructure, bipartisan deals on guns and debt ceiling on the chips and so science. She's side. the best choice. I mean, by definition, if I think this administration the last two and year, two and a half years has been one of the most outstanding administrations in the last few decades, and she's a member of that administration, <laughs> it's the lady and claim credit to a lot of that success. The answer is absolutely. Ah. <laughs> uh, so producer Robbie asks me, what do I make of this clip? What's my sense of it? Well, I'll tell you, right? He's lying through his teeth. There is no one, himself included, that thinks that this is the best administration and that the Biden-Harris is a master class in terms of performance. Nobody bipartisan deals on it. Nobody thinks that this is true. Least of all, not Newsom. But Newsom is, if not honest, he is politically competent. He understands that he needs to be the dutiful cheerleader, the foot soldier, and be there just in case the whole thing comes apart. And I hate to say this because it pains me. Because Newsom is despicable on substance. But... You know, honestly, DeSantis should have taken notes on this, and this is exactly DeSantis's – this should have been DeSantis's M.O. DeSantis should have stayed out of the race. Now that we have some, some, some hindsight, DeSantis should have stayed out of the race, been Trump's cheerleader, been Trump's defender, been his ally, and if – and or when Trump faltered or the wheels came off, he would have been the one to have been recruited in. 
He would have the Glenn Youngkin status. Youngkin's untouched by any drama, any back and forth, any any misfires. He's he's people are thinking of Youngkin as a candidate without him having to spend a dime. So, you know, DeSantis could have raised his national profile, traveled around, been a defender of Republican ideals, been a defender of 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 traditional conservatism, being a defender of his uh, Florida record. He could have done all of that and avoided the Trump quagmire and the primary quagmire. And if nothing else, he could have emerged much like Newsom, younger guy, right? Plenty of time ahead, right? Uh, still some time left on his, his, his term in office as governor. There's an analogy there. And it pains me to say this, folks, because I like, I like Ron. I'm telling you, Newsom is playing this exactly the right way, and DeSantis is screwing the pooch uh, day in and day out. And that's the word. All right, I'm done. My voice is almost shot. I can't do this. Producer Robbie, what are you saying? Yeah, oh yeah, look, DeSantis could have could have been attorney general under Trump and done real good there. He could have kicked ass. Gosh, kills me. All right, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a good weekend. You all have a good weekend out there. Be safe, please. Be careful on the roads especially if you're on a bike or pedestrian, anything out there, please, please, please. I don't, I don't need you calling me, okay, at Sam and Ash Injury Law. Just stay safe. Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. Thank you all for being a wonderful audience. God bless you, and I'll see you Monday.